Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. On the Bechdel cast, the questions asked if movies have women in them. Are all their discussions just boyfriends and husbands, or do they have individualism? The patriarchy's effing vast. Start changing it with the Bechdel cast. Hello and welcome to the Shrektal cast. Whoa, it's 2024, baby. Nothing matters anymore. And we're we're rebranding women. It's over. Intersectionality. It's all about Shreks now. It's all about Shrek hates being a father after one week. It's so hard. (laughs) It stinks. We don't like it. Oh, raising my own children. I feel fucking sick in my head. (sighs) What would the Shrektal test be? Oh, I think this. Okay. I was going to make an argument that this movie really passes the Shrektal test because it's like how many Shreks are talking to each other about being Shrek in this movie like there's a whole sequence where it's just like Mm -hmm. Shreks are talking to Shreks are talking to Shreks and they're talking about liberating Shreks I'm like this is like this is the Shrektal test all it was like it's almost like you know when you see a scene in a Marvel movie that it's like oh Someone told Kevin Feige about the Bechdel test, and now he's like, well, just have something. Uh-huh. Have something. And it feels forced. Yes. It was like that, but with like 400 Shreks. I, There's a John Hamm Shrek. There's a, unbelievable. a, a Craig Robinson Shrek. There is a Craig Robinson Shrek. There's a, a Kristen Schaal Shrek. No, Christian. Uh, or no, witch. Kristen Schaal is a, a witch, sorry. but there is a, Everyone I think, in this movie a is a Jane Shrek Lynch There's- Shrek. There is a Jane Lynch Shrek. And if that's not 2010, tell me what is. I mean, seriously. The witches have green skin. You think there would be solidarity among the witches and the Shreks. And I have some thoughts on that. (laughs) And I have some thoughts on that. And also, like, the randomest man in the world, Walt Dorn. Who? Who? (laughs) No offense to Walt Dorn, but who are you? (laughs) It's baffling. Anyways... 
he's truly some guy. He like works in animation and they're like, you're fun. And it's like, he, I mean, whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. This is a main feed. Welcome to the Bechdel cast. My name's Jamie Loftus. <laughs> My name is Caitlin Durante. And this is our show where we examine movies through an intersectional feminist lens. Before we even get into more details about that, though. Intersectional. What? Intersectional. Excuse me. I, I keep trying to say intersectional. No. Feminist <laughs> lens. Do you see where I was going? I did see it and I <laughs> loved you. it. Thank you. I loved oh, it. Thank you. Before we talk any more about intersectionality. Yep. <laughs> um, I would love to plug the tour that we have coming up. Yes, 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 yes. So you might have already heard, listeners, that Jamie and I are going on tour. It's true. And it's, for the most part, a tour where we are covering the movie Barbie. Mm -hmm. So get excited. We are doing shows in... San Francisco for SF Sketchfest on February 1st. Mm-hmm. Then we're scooting over to Sacramento. We're doing a show on Barbie that unfortunately is already sold out. But we are doing a second show on the Wolf of Wall Street because we were like, we got to double up on Margot Robbie movies. Which is such a confusing thing to pair with Barbie that it is not yet sold out and you could still get tickets to it. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were like, um, should we do Oppenheimer? And then we were unanimously like, nah. no, we should not. No, thank you. So we're doing Wolf of Wall Street. Instead, there are still tickets available to that show in Sacramento on February 2nd. On February 3rd, we will be in Dallas covering Barbie. Still tickets to that show available. Mm -hmm. On February 5th, we will be in Austin. And then we're scooting back to California to do a show in San Diego on February 10th. And all of those shows are also us covering Barbie. And we're going to have a blast. We have so much fun during the live shows. We do extra things. We do slideshows. We do games. We wear fun outfits. There's lots of goofs. We usually eat on stage, you know, things like that. There's always a meet and greet afterwards. There's tour exclusive merch. It's a blast. And actually, I feel like to transition back to the main episode that today we'll have a similar vibe because they tend to be kind of chaotic and Mm -hmm. fun. We like to cover fun movies live. And we also love to cover fun, but also socially impactful movies to start the year. But if you would like to get tickets to that that tour, which you should. Yes. You can go to the link in the bio or go to Linktree, our Linktree, which is L-I-N-K-T-R dot E-E slash Bechtelcast. Pain in the ass. Well worth it. Yeah. <laughs> and we'll see you at the show. Yeah. But now. Back to Shrek. Back to the Shrektelcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so this is, it's interesting. I feel like because our our show has uh, been around for so long, we're we're reaching the end of a lot of franchises we've been covering for for many years. I mean, we, fortunately, they made a season two of the Santa Clauses for us to cover with Grace this year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for a while, it seemed like we were, we were going to be out. Right. And, and we have, uh, we still have the Puss in Boots spinoffs, but this is the final canonical Shrek movie we have not covered on the show we're covering shrek for now forever after should we tell people what the bechdel test is well we already discussed the shrektel test and i think that covers it (laughs) no uh yeah um the show is named after the bechdel test although we only ever use it as a jumping off point to initiate larger conversations about 
representation and intersectionality. Ain't it the truth? And it is a media metric created by Alison Bechtel along with her pal Liz Wallace. And so it's uh, often called the Bechtel-Wallace test. Mm -hmm. It was a test that first appeared in Alison Bechtel's Dykes to Watch Out For in the 80s examining how women rarely speak to each other in movies and specifically queer women and the representation Mm -hmm. of them in mainstream cinema. Mm -hmm. So that was what the test was originally. There are many versions of it. Ours is this. Do two characters of a marginalized gender have names? Do they speak to each other? And is their conversation about something other than a man? And we especially like it if the conversation has some kind of like narrative oomph to it. A little hoomph, a little oomph, a little fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yes, that is the Bechtel test, not to be confused with the Schrechtel test test which we already we don't even need to talk about it again because we already know that this movie heartily passes heavily but yeah today we are talking about shrek forever after shrek Mm -hmm. 4 many call it shrek forever after it was uh released in 2010 Mm -hmm. which i know because i went on a date to see this movie in high school uh-huh. Thank you very much. Uh, it made three quarters of a billion dollars, which is a really <laughs> shocking uh, statistic for a movie that is both 80 minutes long and horrible. Not very good. <laughs> I would say this is the weakest install. It's the weakest installment for me by a country mile. Really? I mean, it's just. I find Shrek the Third to be a lot less enjoyable. Shrek the Third. I mean, I guess that this one is mercifully shorter. It's it's not even. They're both like eighty one really? minutes long. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I guess I, I I the the third one is is with Artie, right? Artie Pendragon. Yeah. Justin Timberlake is in it for some reason. The Justin Timberlake one is pretty bad. Mm, I still feel like Shrek Four takes it for me, uh, mm-hmm. just because of the internal messaging. I feel like you know, in Shrek. One and we've talked about in this show how Shrek changed everything, and I'm just quoting James Gunn when I say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, of course. Shrek changed everything, and I think that that is unfortunately, whether you like it or not, that is true. Yeah, Shrek changed children's entertainment for a long time, forever after, even forever after. It ain't ogre till it's ogre, to quote the poster. <laughs> Of this movie. Is that the tagline of the movie? <laughs> Unfortunately. Yes, because this was marketed as the final chapter. Oh, that's which right. Which, I mean, in terms of canonical Shrek movies, it's the, you know, it's been 14 years now. It's been 14 years. And, and I, I can, can still, still smell, smell the, the fresh, fresh swamp farts. Wow. We have options. <laughs> but in any case, I feel like this franchise starts with, like, Fiona, who, as we've talked about over the years... Is she a, you know, perfect feminist character? No, but I feel like she is like disenfranchised as the movies go on. For sure. Like Shrek 1 Fiona is the best Fiona. And then we just see her like wifeified. And Mm -hmm. in Shrek Forever After, which we'll talk about, we see an alternate reality Fiona where she is more empowered. Yes. But also there's all, I don't know. I think that this, the Shrek Forever After kind of fucked with my head because we just covered, uh, because we were recording this in late December, we we just did our live show about It's a Wonderful Life, and I'm just bowled over with how many 
feature films there are about how the world would be a shithole if one man didn't exist. I just don't buy it. Okay, we're on the same wavelength as per usual because I mm-hmm. finished this movie. I was like, wow, that was just the exact same plot as It's a Wonderful Life. However, which movie do I like more? I think that Shrek Forever After is a better movie than wow. It's a Wonderful Life. And I know that is probably one of the most controversial statements ever made but i have a master's degree in film and screenwriting which i would never mention but it does give me the credibility to say that and you have to believe me and you have to agree with me because of my credentials i respect your (laughs) opinion thank you so much i respect your opinion this movie stinks this movie is stinky stinky poo poo but Mm -hmm. But who's going to argue with a quarter billion or, or three quarters of a billion dollars? I have one last thing to say yes. before we talk about this for over an hour. <laughs> I was thinking about the year 2010, mm-hmm. right? Obama's first term. Yeah. Remember that? Mm-hmm. In any case, Shrek as a popular, you know, this is a, a decade that Shrek owns. True. Right? Yes. But things in movies are shifting. Mm-hmm. Shrek Forever After did it make seven hundred fifty six million dollars? It sure did, mm-hmm. but that is less money than Shrek the Third made, and even less money than Shrek Two made. Whoa! So Shrek's on the downturn. Yeah, right. And and also four movies in a decade. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's you know we've maybe reached peak Shrek saturation. True. We've also got Kung Fu Panda. Right. We've got other yeah. DreamWorks. That comes out in 2008, kind of coming for Shrek's crown. That comes up between Shrek the Third and Shrek Forever After. But most pertinently, and I feel like you know where I'm going with this. Oh, I already know. A very important movie comes out in 2010. And I would say derails Shrek's chances at being a powerful franchise for for over a decade. Okay. Maybe even a more dominant species. I mean... Do you know what movie I'm talking about? Obviously, you're talking about Despicable Me starring the Minions. (laughs) Yes, I am. I had to check because I also went on a date in high school to see Despicable Me. Mm. Of of course. (laughs) Because when I was in high school, I was 10. Um... (laughs) Okay. I don't know if you remember this, but I went back and re-listened to our Shrek the Third episode in which you very publicly and openly say that you got fingered during the screening of Shrek the Third in the theater. I wasn't going to bring that up today because (laughs) New Year, New Me. But you're right. I have to. No, no, no. Don't edit it out. I need to own my past. You're right. And you would be right to say it. Thank you. Uh, Wow, I really don't know how to look out for myself whatsoever. <laughs> okay, so running the numbers, mm-hmm. running the numbers, because a little film called Despicable Me comes out in 2010. Let's see how close they came out together. Okay, Despicable Me, starring, of course, Gruen Le Mignons. Mm-hmm. That comes out June 9th. Okay. Shrek Forever After, I think would come out a little earlier. Yes. April, uh, maybe? May. Oh, in wide release, May 21st. That's my sister's birthday. Wow. She must have been so thrilled this year. <laughs> yes, she was. So they come out within a month of each other. Now, I'm looking at domestic gross because Shrek Forever After, it's got global clout, right? Mm-hmm. So it takes Despicable Me over in worldwide gross. But domestic gross, something fascinating happens. Mm. Despicable Me 
edges Shrek for Americans are done with this guy. Mm. Americans said, no, we won't give him any more than $238 million, $736,787. Okay. But these new guys, the minions, they're like, wait, big green guy? More like little little yellow yellow guy. guy. Because they give the minions $251,513,985, just a smidge more. Uh-huh. And I just think that's it. There's sort of like a changing of the, because Shrek changed everything. But also, mm-hmm. you got to you gotta hang up that leather vest at some point, pal. <laughs> it's true. Well, and now we are in minion era. We are in the minion era. Shrek era over. Except I know if you Google is Shrek five happening, I know the answer is Shrek five is slated to come out in 2025. So we are actually not done with Shrek. And I'm I'm thrilled. And I think I honestly as I was watching this movie, I was telling my boyfriend, I was like, I really think if Shrek came back after 15 years and he's been on a fascinating I mean and I'm not going to get into my history of the Shrek culture I know I've done on the show before Mm. but he'd been on this fascinating journey where he's like kind of a big joke but also so beloved that I feel like Shrek would be Shrek 5 would make a billion dollars if it was good Mm -hmm. if it was good it would make a billion dollars if it was like Shrek 2 quality Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or even, I mean, I think we can even dream bigger. The last, oh yeah. And also I wanted to say that the next highest grossing movie after Despicable Me was Inception. I just thought that was funny. Oh, wow. <laughs> I think, and also the Minions have been, you know, dominant for, you know, over 10 years, going on 15 years now. So it's, mm-hmm. t- it's time for a challenger to, to enter the ring. Certainly not going to be Secret Life of Motherfucking Pets. Boo. I'll tell you that much. Boo. Toy Story for dogs? Try harder. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, okay, so you saw... What's your history for Shrek 4? <laughs> I had never seen it before. This was the only Shrek installment that I... Well, not including... I haven't seen the first Puss in Boots movie. Mm-hmm. I famously love Puss in Boots' The Last Wish, which came out in late 2022. I finally saw it a couple weeks ago. It's great. <gasps> what do you think? Isn't it so good? It's really good, and it's beautiful. It's so well-animated... Yeah, visually it's amazing, narratively it's amazing, thematically it's amazing. I love that movie. Anyway, I had never seen Shrek 4 because, yeah, by the time 2010 rolled around, I think I I did have Shrek fatigue and I just wasn't enthusiastic about it anymore. We were suffering. So I didn't see it. So yeah, that's my short history with Shrek Forever After. But you saw it in theaters? Yes, I did. And I have nothing else to say. (laughs) Cool, cool, cool. Um, All right. Well, shall we dive deeper into it and do the recap? Oh, I guess I should say I also did not like this movie when it came out. In my opinion, it has not been. Unfortunately, you know, time has not healed that wound for me. I still don't like it. I see. For me, the ranking goes as follows. Shrek 2, number one. Mm -hmm. Shrek 1, number two. Mm -hmm. Shrek 4, number three and then shrek three number four wow <laughs> amazing i'm going two one three four oh three and four are both so they're stinky. horrid yeah they're they might be tied for last because i kind of forgot about the whole ju- the justin timberlake of it all that was really challenging 
But I also hate, like, I just feel like Rumpelstiltskin should just be Farquaad again. Why are we, why are we doing Rumpelstiltskin? Can't we just, like, give Farquaad a magic wand? Like, I feel mm-hmm. like it's the same character. Yeah. I'm just fatigued. It's annoying. Should I say what the movie is about? Let's do it. Let's take a quick break first, and then we'll come back for the recap. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. Drugs and uh, officials cover up. (laughs) You couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. She's breathing. Right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation... I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating and a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We're back. All right. 
here is this Shrek Forever After. Buckle in. The movie opens on the standard Shrek storybook opening, explaining that Fiona's parents, the king and queen, had locked Fiona in a tower guarded by a dragon. But as time wore on and her curse still hadn't been broken, they had to resort to desperate measures. Mm -hmm. So we cut to the king and queen approaching Rumpelstiltskin, voiced by, what's his name again? Walt Dorn. I feel so bad, but I'm like... Who is this man? It. I mean, I guess. I guess it's kind of a double standard because you're like, oh, who voices the minions? Pierre Coffin. Mm. That's who. But he also is like some random guy in animation. But he's not some random guy in an- animation anymore. I mean, unfortunately, Walt Dorn stole some random guy in animation. Where Pierre Coffin has transcended and is the voice of every minion. Wow, amazing. Anyways, random guy. Don't know. Okay, so they approach Rumpelstiltskin to see if he can put an end to Fiona's curse that turns her into an ogre at night. Mm-hmm. And Rumpelstiltskin's like, yeah, I'll do it. And in exchange, you have to sign away the kingdom of far, far away. These damn parents are just <laughs> horrific. Mm. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's like commentary or something, but they just like in each and every movie, they mismanage and gamble their people's <laughs> lives away because they're embarrassed of their daughter's physical appearance. It's so bad. Yep. Uh, Okay, so they are about to sign away their kingdom in exchange for, like, Fiona's curse to be lifted. But just then, someone comes in to be like, Princess Fiona has been saved, parentheses, by Shrek. Mm -hmm. And this makes Rumpelstiltskin furious because he wants control over far, far away. We then cut to Shrek in his swamp. He and Fiona are raising their three ogre babies. As promised at the end of Shrek the Third. Mm-hmm. Can I just say, and, mm-hmm. and let me know if this is out of pocket. I hate looking at those damn ogre babies. They look like shit. They're I, so, mm-hmm. oh, I hate, they make me sick to look. They look like adults. It's upsetting. I don't like them either. The least you can do when you're making animated anything Mm -hmm. is ensure that you can make a baby version of your character that's cute. That's the Muppet Baby Law. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not that hard. I don't think that it would have been impossible to make a cute Shrek baby or a cute... The the fact that the donkey dragon babies also look like shit. Scary. That's a slam dunk. That's so cute. But they mm-hmm. fuck it up. They big time fuck it up. I don't know what I don't know what they're doing, but mm-hmm. I know what they aren't doing. <laughs> uh, we see Shrek and Fiona, of course. Donkey and Puss and Boots are also there, but the monotony and repetitiveness of life is really getting to Shrek. Mm-hmm. Also, people aren't scared of ogres the way they used to be they're not scared of shrek anymore which is abundantly clear when they go too far far away for shrek and fiona's kids birthday party there's a lot to be said about this whole like shrek is fatigued of being a parent while we're led to believe fiona it just comes naturally to her i mean like we'll talk about that yeah but can i just say the little kid who says do the roar Uh uh-huh I was laughing. See, I I hated him. Every time he said it, I was laughing. I hated wow, it. Wow, that was 
That was the one laugh this movie got out of me. And then when Shrek roars, he says, I love you, daddy. <laughs> I was laughing. <laughs> I I think this movie got zero laughs out of me. Every joke wow. falls flat on its face. It's I mean, the movie sucks ass, but I liked when the kid said, do the roar. Ugh. I love you, daddy. Yuck. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I only have an undergrad, so. Yeah, I mean, it's just, no. I, have sim- I have simple tastes. <laughs> It's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah. So anyway, the party goes horribly wrong and no one is taking Shrek seriously. And he's like, Ugh, I wish things would just go back to the way they were when I could do everything I ever- I wanted and whenever I wanted. And Fiona is like, okay, ungrateful much? Yeah, you ungrateful piece of shit. You have every, like, and then she, like, lists out everything that's going well with his life. I'm like, damn, I'm jealous of Shrek. <laughs> he really does have it all. He's He's got a lot that you would think he would be grateful for, but he's not. And so they both storm off in different directions. And then who does Shrek bump into? who had overheard this whole conversation, it's Rumpelstiltskin. And he's like... Oh, and his big old goose, which... Did you mm. grow up with the story of Rumpelstiltskin? I don't know what the fuck his whole deal is. I do. Yes, I did grow up with that story. I don't remember him having a goose, but I do know the story. All right. I'll take it to Google. Does <laughs> Rumpelstiltskin... Oh, I guess he was a character on Once Upon a Time. This is the point where someone in our is like someone hits our uh, Apple podcast reviews are like, Jamie didn't do enough research to even know if Rumpelstiltskin has canonically has a goose. (laughs) I'm not seeing goose. I'm not seeing goose. I am seeing a page for Fifi the goose on Wiki Shrek. Oh, okay. Which is so it seems like it's only canon to Shrek lore. A A Shrek innovation. Yeah. Wow. Also, we did this last time, too, for Shrek the Third, but it, we still haven't said the word Shrekian yet. Oh, I mean, give it time. I mean, yeah, it'll come up organically, right? That's true. Okay, so Rumpelstiltskin is like, hey, Shrek, I will make a deal with you that will let you be the ogre that you used to be, you know, like feared. You can do that for a day. Mm-hmm. in exchange for just any other day in your life so shrek would just have to like give up a day from his past and it could be like a day f- when he was a baby that he wouldn't even remember so he's like mm-hmm. sounds like a great deal to me so shrek signs this contract with rumpelstiltskin and as soon as he does he is transported to this reality where sure enough everyone fears him And Shrek Mm -hmm. is loving it at first, but then he goes to his swamp, but it's all dried up and abandoned. And he's like, what's going on? What's happening here? Then he is attacked and captured by a group of witches. And the next thing Shrek knows, he's in a carriage that's being pulled by Donkey, but Donkey does not recognize him. And this is where you start to realize that this movie and It's a Wonderful Life have basically the same plot. Yep. Because and it's like, why is this movie coming out in May? I honestly feel like <laughs> if this movie was just like more transparent about what it's obviously doing, I just released it as like, because there were Shrek Christmas specials. Yes. I feel like I'd be less annoyed with it if they just were like, this is like, it's a sh- wonderful Shrek. You're like, <laughs> sure, fine. I, I don't know why I would be less. I like, but it's trying to like pass itself off as 
I don't know. I'm just like, just say it's a wonderful Shrek. Or it's a Shrekian life. It's true. And there you go. It's a Shrekian text. It is. Everything about that. <laughs> anyway, Shrek is in this alternate reality where he never met Donkey, where Far, Far Away is in shambles. And They also imply that if Shrek didn't break the stigma against ogres, that the ogres would be extremely oppressed. Like, without Shrek, mm-hmm. the ogres are like, a severe underclass in society to the point where they have to revolt. I'm just like, I just don't give Shrek that much credit. No. <laughs> right. <laughs> I And I think that that's fine. You know, like, he, but it's like, he's one guy, you know, he's one unremarkable guy. That's kind of his whole thing. Yeah. What? Right. Anyways. I agree. Anyway, all these things are different and we'll come to find out more soon. But the witches who are Rumpelstiltskin's minions. Okay. Okay. They're they're trying. They're I mean, trying. trying to be, but but it's, it's too late. Underwhelming. It's too late. <laughs> it's too late. So they take Shrek to Rumpelstiltskin's palace, and he is delighted to see Shrek because he's the one who made this all possible. Because the day that Rumpelstiltskin took from Shrek was the day that he was born, which means Shrek never even existed, which means he never rescued or even met Fiona. It means Mm. that when this day comes to an end, Shrek will cease to exist. And he'll like explode into light, which seems so dramatic. (laughs) The stakes are high. Yeah. And this is, you know, spoiler alert for this 80 minute movie. This episode will be longer than the movie. (laughs) But I think that it was quite bold. You know, in a living in 2024 now, let's say, Mm -hmm. in a world where all children's movies are too cowardly to murder their protagonist in the (laughs) fourth installment i think it's i think it is rather shocking that we do see shrek fully die uh i mean Mm. only for like two minutes but Mm. you're still like damn they killed shrek they killed his ass (laughs) they got his ass (laughs) loved that yeah so anyway shrek never existing also means that rumple stiltskin was able to seize control of far far away which is why like he wanted this whole thing to happen which is why he made this deal with shrek etc so rumpelstiltskin finally has what he wants so shrek grabs donkey and they escape from the palace shrek uh, gets donkey to trust him and then donkey tells him about the secret exit clause to the contract that shrek had signed And the way to render this contract null and void is for Shrek to have true love's kiss. And then we're like, okay, wait a minute. Exit clause, Santa Claus 3, the escape clause. This is a Christmas movie. (laughs) I kept writing that down. I'm like, another Christmas thing. There's a Santa Claus in the Mm -hmm. (laughs) just. Why did this movie come out in May? Yeah, not sure. Ay, ay, ay. Anyway, so Shrek is like, okay, I have to go find True Love's Kiss with Fiona. He realizes that if he never rescued her from the dragon-guarded tower, she must still be there. Mm -hmm. But when he goes to the tower, she's not there. So he's like, okay, well, if I didn't save her, then who did? Because he cannot conceive of a world in which... 
Fiona could escape the tower on her own. Well, neither could the first Shrek movie. So I know <laughs> he's a flop. Uh, he's okay. He's so Shrek and Donkey continue their search for Fiona, and they stumble upon an ogre community. They're this resistance group who is fighting against Rumpelstiltskin and his oppressive regime. And their leader is Fiona. Ooh, and it's a great reveal shot. It is, yes. And really brings out, I'm certain we've talked about this in past episodes, really brings out how weak Cameron Diaz's voice acting is. Because we get this amazing reveal of Fiona and then Cameron Diaz, like, I love Cameron Diaz, but like, she's not a very strong voice actor Mm -mm. and doesn't improve over time. And so you get like this incredibly animated, like Fiona's hair is whipping around. She's wearing this warrior outfit and then she's like okay guys let's <laughs> okay everyone time to go into battle and you're like ay, ay, ay. i've always thought that cameron diaz was not well cast it's in I, this role right which is challenging because it's like i don't i it's in that way inadvertently because of how these movies are structured you we're coming down on basically the only woman who's meaningfully in the movie but uh yeah. but also we've been we've been shielding her for years <laughs> yes. i just have to say how i feel no that's fair okay guys let's go into battle you're like oh my okay. god oh my god <sighs> anyway so we get this reveal that fiona is the leader of this revolution great and of course she does not know shrek because they have never met in this alternate reality mm-hmm. so shrek tries to woo fiona but she's too busy planning an attack on Rumpelstiltskin and his witches that night. Also, we learn that Puss in Boots is her pet cat, although he's not the, you know, fierce assassin we know him to be anymore. He's a quote-unquote lazy house cat, and we'll talk more about the implications and choices that were made with this character. Anyway, so Shrek is trying to win Fiona over and so he goes to her and they start this kind of like play fighting thing and they're vibing, but still no kiss. Meanwhile, Rumpelstiltskin wants to find Shrek to prevent him from kissing Fiona because he doesn't want this contract to be nullified because it would mean the end of his empire. So he hires a bounty hunter to find Shrek, who turns out to be the Pied Piper. And this is when I was like, okay, why would you inter- just have Puss in Boots yeah. be the assassin that gets hired, bring that thing back in, that makes more sense, and then- It's baffling. Yeah, it would be maybe too similar to the plot of Shrek 2, but that's a callback that would make sense, where then Shrek would have to like- you know, do something similar to like get Puss in Boots on his side, and right. it's just like why are why why is Pied Piper here? Like worst I villain minion I've ever seen. I didn't, especially in a year where we're being introduced to the minions and Shrek's bringing who <laughs> to the table. Like yeah. no wonder, no wonder you were dethroned, King. <laughs> um, you, no, but I I agree with you. I hadn't thought of it. That's that's a really smart fix for that too and a a far more logical use of Puss in Boots character because he really is like 
he's used as a fat shaming sight gag basically mm-hmm. and then he kind of like doesn't do anything the whole movie he's literally also, does nothing to the point where it's like egregious and at one point i left because they're just trying to justify his presence so which is like also you're if you're paying antonio banderas please use him like it's right. weird <laughs> either way but there's like at one point where shrek and fiona spoiler alert they have to fall back in love and there's a point where they're like they're vibing and then it just cuts to puss in boots and he's like wow <laughs> you're like why is he here it doesn't he's just like make wow any sense anyway so the assassin for some reason or the bounty hunter is the pied piper and then when the ogres launch their attack against rumpelstiltskin it's actually a trap laid by the pied piper and then he plays his flute and it like forces them to dance and that's how he bounty hunts them question mark exhausting (laughs) but shrek and fiona manage to get away Mm -hmm. so they're like on the run and also he's trying to prove to her that he is her true love and that he knows a bunch of stuff about her including well and he's also like what if i forcibly kissed you would that convince you He does that many, many times. It's disgusting. Mm -hmm. But he's like, look, I know all this stuff about you, including your curse where you're human during the day. And he's like, so kiss me. And she does basically just to, I think, get him to shut up and leave her alone. Yeah. But the kiss doesn't change anything because... Because why would it? She's leading a revolution. Yeah, I just hate that, like, I mean, it's complicated to the extent that you know like without shrek's presence in this world right like the shreks are oppressed that's bad mm-hmm. however it's also presented that it's equally bad that fiona is the leader of a revolution which is not bad that's like a fu- like it's it's so weird how fiona is characterized over the years where it's like she it just feels like antiquated even for the 2000s to be like well she would be much happier if she was just the mother of newborn triplets than if she were the you know like warrior goddess of the shreks You're right like, i don't i feel like we can split the difference there a little or not you know like I'm, it's just <laughs> it's the same kind of like empty feminism that we've seen throughout the entire franchise where like there will be yeah. moments where like Fiona gets one little scene where she does something that vaguely seems empowering, but when you actually look at it closely, it's a very hollow gesture mm-hmm. or it has weird implications. Mm-hmm. The same thing's happening here. The same thing's happening. And she, at this time, does not love Shrek. So when she kisses him, it doesn't break the contract with Stiltskin. and i thought i because i of course i didn't remember what happened in this movie fully because i was busy <laughs> doing what uh pay attention jk jk uh but like i sort of was like oh far be it for me to think this shrek for- i feel like this happens in every shrek movie where it's like they have an opportunity to do something cool and interesting and then they're like nah Mm-mm. we're not gonna we're not gonna Mm-mm. you're like okay sorry never mind yeah they don't sorry for having any expectations God. God. God, sorry for thinking that the franchise could grow. <laughs> yeah, right. Anyway, so Rumpelstiltskin, desperate to stop Shrek and Fiona, puts out a call, basically saying that whoever brings them in, Rumpelstiltskin will grant them any wish they desire. 
So Shrek mm. realizes he can use this to his advantage, and he turns himself in in exchange for freeing all of the ogres that the Pied Piper had captured. Except mm. Rumpelstiltskin refuses to release Fiona since she's only half ogre. So now she and Shrek are captured together, mm. and Rumpelstiltskin unleashes dragon on them. Ooh. But... They work together to best the dragon and defeat Rumpelstiltskin. But then Shrek dies. (laughs) So abrupt, too. Yes, because it's dawn, which means Shrek's time is up and he starts to fade away. Which I kind of forgot was going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And she kisses him, but he disappears. Mm -hmm. But, But just kidding. The kiss worked and this alternate reality vanishes we're transported Mm -hmm. back to shrek's children's birthday party and shrek is Mm -hmm. like wow fiona i love you babe i always thought it was me who rescued you from the dragon's keep but really it was you who rescued me the end and then and you're just like and then a smash mouth cover starts weezer playing we that's weezer it's weezer covering smash mouth covering the monkeys and at this point we're like (laughs) we got to retire shrek for 15 years he's got to go in the vault i I think that they did talk about inception a song within a song within a song (laughs) (laughs) all right let's take a break uh we'll we'll be right back Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Across Generations, where the voices of Black women unite in powerful conversations. I'm your host, Tiffany Cross. Tiffany Cross. I want you all to join me and be a part of sisterhood, friendship, wisdom, and laughter. In every episode, we gather a seasoned elder. But even with a child, there's no such thing as the wrong thing if you love them. Myself, as the middle generation, I don't feel like I have to get married at this big age in life, but it is a desire I have and something that I've navigated in dating. And a vibrant young soul for engaging intergenerational conversations. I'm very jealous of your generation (laughs) that didn't have to deal with Instagram and Tinder. This is Across Generations, where Black women's voices unite, and together, you know how we do, we create magic. magic. Listen to Across Generations podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We started talking about this incident. 
drugs and uh, officials cover up. <laughs> you couldn't believe it. From iHeart Podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. A story about money, power, and corruption. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. There's no way that that guy's a doctor. I'm Paul Pringle, and I'm an investigative reporter for the LA Times. This is the story of an investigation that starts in a hotel room in Pasadena, California, and reaches all the way to the top of two of the most powerful institutions in the city of Los Angeles. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. This is Fallen Angels, the story of California corruption. We're always going to have predators. It's the good people who stand by and do nothing that allow them to flourish. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, and we're back. Yeah. Um, as with all things Shrekian, uh, this movie did suck, but I do think that there is a fair amount to talk about, especially in regards to, I just like, if in Shrek 5, we could like get an arc for Fiona that's, like we're saying, on par with Shrek 2 and let's say better because we have the benefit of 15 years, mm-hmm. right? But Shrek 4 sucks for Fiona. It's so weird because it, and speaking to the empty feminism which i feel like is yeah very very prevalent and again like best done in the earlier installments not the later ones Mm -hmm. which is depressing but like the the message of this movie for women is bad Mm -hmm. uh, as you but we see a lot of cool stuff which is weird it's i feel like that there is like a sort of game of 4d chess being played because you get to see Fiona in a position of power where mm-hmm. she's respected and hyper competent and like I think the sequences where she's fighting and like leading is really cool there is sort of I know that there's Jane Lynch's character is a woman coded Shrek but outside <laughs> of that it appears that it's kind of a Smurfette situation like yeah. most of the Shreks overwhelmingly male which is minion coded i will say true but obviously not as effective if john ham john ham is actually in minions one so he's kind of double dipping when you think about it and also wait is he yeah he plays sandra bullock's hus- groovy husband in minions <laughs> and he's kind well, of wait, awesome minions one not despicable me one not despicable me we're talking the spin-off franchise I see. the real money maker i don't think i've seen minions one all the way through oh my gosh we should watch it on christmas okay we should cover it on the podcast i would love to i mean i've seen it so many times and <laughs> not to mention rise of group I, mean, like, I mean i saw that one in th- theaters oh it and it's so cute i love it <laughs> yeah 2024 it's a minions year thank god 2023 we were we were panting starving like mm. what was gonna happen to us <laughs> thankfully we're back but yeah. um but yeah, I mean, and, and good for John Hamm for sensing which way the wind was blowing. Mm-hmm. But in any case, I, I don't know. Like Fiona is in a position of huge power. We find out that she has liberated herself from the tower, which I think is cool. And like I, I because this is all established, I almost wished at the end of Shrek 4 
instead of Shrek being pulled back to his normal reality, where we've seen Fiona for two movies now be pushed into these traditional roles, which as we say, oh, like we're not saying that these are bad roles to be in, to want to be married or to be a parent, but they're stereotypical roles mm-hmm. that are, you know, whatever. You you know what we're talking about. Yeah, That's all we see Fiona do in these movies anymore. And I was really hoping that they went to some like third location where there could be some, like, I think that would have been cool where they like went to an alternate reality where Fiona could have access to both of these where she could be a warrior because she's always been a really like fighty character since the first movie she's been a good fighter Mm -hmm. and like a a world where she could you know have both of these I, I feel like that wouldn't be out of the question in this world but instead Shrek is just sent back to the world where we've seen Fiona turned into a very like unchallenging wife and mother character and Shrek is just like wow I'm so grateful that you're like this and you're like Ugh, right no yeah the, no <laughs> this movie can't imagine a world and suggests that like if you are you know a warrior and the leader of a revolution you would not also be a parent like the it's like you're one or the other and if you are a parent then you have to live this like hyper domesticated life and that goes for fiona and shrek and that's why he tries to like escape so like i said i I went back and listened to our shrek the third episode and a big criticism thank you a big criticism we had about that movie was that it reinforces a gendered trope of like men being very reluctant to become parents and women Mm -hmm. being hyper enthusiastic about becoming a parent And this movie, we already kind of touched on this, but it does something similar in the sense that we see Shrek growing increasingly bored, frustrated, disillusioned with Mm -hmm. domestic life of like, you know, taking care of his three babies. He's tired of the monotony of it. But we do not see Fiona feeling this way, which reinforces a similar gendered trope of like, oh, well, women don't mind doing the same domestic tasks over and over. Women don't mind Mm -hmm. the monotony that might accompany that. Right. She's happily doing it and she's never getting frustrated or bored because women just inherently love that kind of work. But men, well, of course they're going to get bored and yearn for something more exciting. They're going to yearn for their days when they were a bachelor and they weren't, you know, like weighed down by this ball and chain and of course their masculinity will feel threatened now that they have to stay at home and do domestic tasks and take care of a family which is like uh, exacerbated by the fact that the movie doesn't even bother to like add the tropey layer to make it seem like shrek has a job like he does it <laughs> he does it they're both stay-at-home parents but like and and also it's like i think that these are easy as and i know that we've talked about this in others shrek installments there's easy small fixes that allow fiona to participate more fully in the plot if they're both burned out as new parents mm-hmm. that totally changes the dynamic of that because you're like yeah parents of newborn triplets that are being like surveilled by the far far away paparazzi or whatever that would be exhausting <laughs> yeah for both of them but she is shielded by mother powers that like <laughs> don't just add on these tropes but like fundamentally exclude her from 
the plot like there's there's maybe i mean it would still suck because it's like shrek 4 but like there's a version of this where they could go through this journey together Mm -hmm. and see the alternate version of reality of like what if both of them didn't exist and if fiona doesn't exist honestly i'm more inclined to believe that ogres would be more oppressed versus shrek because she is an ogre who is a princess like that actually makes like yeah talking it out now that makes a lot more sense Uh that like Fiona has far more to do with like the, you know, ogres are scary stigma being removed from that community than Shrek does because she came out as an ogre and everyone still loved her. Mm-hmm. So I mean, hello, what? end of Shrek one. It was like an earth shattering moment. <laughs> it changed the world. Yeah. Right. There's that. So there's a bunch of different things going on with Shrek. One He's frustrated with the monotony of domestic life. He's also ungrateful, you know, despite having, as Fiona points out, three beautiful children, a wife, a wife Mm -hmm. who loves him, friends who adore him. He's just acting very ungrateful and unappreciative of it. And then on top of that, Mm -hmm. he doesn't like that people are no longer afraid of him. And he wants to go back to the good old days where people were afraid of ogres when the world made sense. And I'm like, okay, MAGA vibes. Yikes. (laughs) MAGA, MAGA before MAGA. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it's super weird. Like, I don't know in, in the Shrek world, I'll let that slide. Where it's like, okay, he misses what he was a scary oak. But I feel like that's just telegraphing, like, I miss my bachelor days, like you were right. saying earlier. But it's also like, let Fiona in on that. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. He doesn't bother to openly communicate any of these frustrations or these feelings with Fiona. He doesn't say anything like, hey, I've been overwhelmed. I've been frustrated. Here are my needs that aren't being met. Like, can we work on this together to like try to figure out a solution? And also, hey, Fiona, how are you feeling? Is any of this getting to you? Like, they don't have any conversation like that. And Shrek is like famously bad at being interrelated. But it's like, why can't we just (laughs) let his character grow a little? Because it Mm -hmm. gets exhausting. And you would, I mean, it's been nine years, Shrek. And and again, To come to Fiona's defense here, like, it makes far more sense for her to be, like, shaken by this shift because she has, you know, I forget how much time has canonically passed since Shrek 1, but, like, she has Mm. gone through far more big changes in her life in the last several Shrek years than Shrek. She <laughs> mm-hmm. was still, she still got tower PTSD. She And then she's like coming out as an ogre, which is a huge deal in this world, right? Mm-hmm. The whole Shrek 2 of it all. Like <laughs> she is married now. She's living in a swamp. She's had three kids. Like there, it, again, her life has changed more and unfort- not to be like, I feel like I'm starting to sound like a royalist, but like her, (laughs) just because of who she is, Mm -hmm. unfortunately, she's like, she, I'll say it. She's the princess die of far, far away. She's the people's princess. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's disrespectful for Shrek, Prince Charles over here. Not exact, not exact, exact one-to-one, but he's a flop. He's not the most interesting character. Yeah. It's like disrespectful to even have Fiona voiced by Cameron Diaz. 
I mean, <laughs> but it's too late. It's 23 years too late to fix that. So let's just give her something. Let's give her something. And the kids look like shit. Oh, Come on. Why did We know that these animators can make something look cute because uh, Puss in Boots yeah. with his big eyes. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah, it felt very, yeah, like it. something, fe- I, 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 I mean... I guess you can't like overestimate the amount of cynicism that goes into a franchise like this, except for Despicable Me, which is you know pure. They would never <laughs> do anything for merchi- merchandising purposes. Mm-hmm. Holding my vampire minion uh-huh. who watches me while I create <laughs> content. <laughs> okay, uh, yeah. but well, but seriously, you guys, uh, no, I I feel like they they it's almost like advantageous for them to have these shots and sequences of. Fiona as a warrior because then they can put it in the trailer and be like a whole new Fiona Mm -hmm. but then the status quo is always reestablished as it is with Fiona time and time again and then also I mean all those yucky things that we touched on during the recap where Shrek is so convinced that like all he has to do is give her a kiss he doesn't have to grow as a person which he (laughs) I would say arguably doesn't in this movie really at all right okay I guess he learns to be grateful for his wife (laughs) but like does he I don't know see that's what I was trying to figure out so instead of him you know trying to have an open and honest conversation about his feelings with Fiona instead he storms off and then makes a deal with the first sleazy guy he finds, which ends up having these dire consequences. So the rest of the plot is him having to like fix this situation. And the lesson he ends up quote unquote learning is, oh, I didn't know what I had until it was gone. And I should learn to appreciate the love I share with my family and friends. And mm-hmm. sure, that's a valid lesson to learn. But I'm trying to like, I guess I just have mixed feelings about stories like this where a man has to learn emotional intelligence or a man, you know, has to have this emotional redemption arc. Because on one hand, I'm very for men learning and growing emotionally. But women are rarely given arcs like this in stories because women are expected to already have this emotional intelligence because of a you know gendered expectation that women are nurturing and tuned into their feelings and things like that mm-hmm. whereas men it's just like well of course they're gonna start out being you know not very emotionally intelligent and yeah. they have to learn these things and they kind of barely learn them and it takes this whole epic saga for them to figure these things out and then right does he even learn it because at the end He doesn't apologize to Fiona when he's like back at the party. He doesn't like say, wow, I've been acting horribly. Mm -hmm. Uh, He just says like, it was actually you who rescued me, which is I feel like what people say to like the pets that they adopt. Yes. Yes. I was like, he's talking to her like she's a damn dog. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. Yeah. And then, yeah, he doesn't apologize and say like, hey, sorry for being an ungrateful little shit. He's just like. Yeah, you rescued me. <laughs> and I just feel like it's very, a very like oversimplified version. It's a freaking mess. It's a freaking <sighs> mess. 
It's a disaster. It it's a catastrophe. It stinks. <laughs> it's it's got to go. Like it, right. And then with Fiona, like okay, yes, this is an alternate reality where Shrek never never saved her, so she saved herself from the dragon guarded tower which again is like something that the movie shrek one couldn't even conceive of and shocking why don't we get a flashback of like her saving herself showing how she did that maybe it informs why she becomes such an effective leader of a revolution you know there's like again it's just like this empty well of course she's the leader now why well you don't have to know about that it just happened it just glosses over everything. It stinks. It stinks. Yeah, I mean, it, it, I totally agree. Where it's like the the things that this movie makes narrative space for, acting as if it only has 80 minutes to exist or it'll die. <laughs> like, it's, yeah. I and, and this, and I know we've talked about this before, but I was reminded of it again mm-hmm. in this installment of Shrek that Fiona and Dragon, mm-hmm. that is the dragon that guarded her tower for over a decade. Mm-hmm. And why do these two characters not have a relationship at all? Like, it could even be contentious. It would make sense. Right. But it's so weird, like, because they introduce Dragon at in the alternate reality at the end, but it's only so that Donkey and Dragon can fall in love again. But the way that it's mm. like... These are the two characters of the four of the two married couples. Fiona and Dragon have known each other for the longest, right. but they have no relationship. They act like, oh, our husbands are friends. So I guess we hang out. I'm like, this dragon was going to kill you for 10 years. Like, how <laughs> yeah. do you have no feelings on like, and I think that that could also, it would, it feels very Shrekian. There it is. Uh, it feels very Shrekian to put two characters that were like at severe odds. They'd be like, Oh, we get martinis. Now we hang out, blah, blah, blah. Like whatever <laughs> it is, establish some sort of relationship. Like why? I don't know. I feel like the franchise thinks so little of the two women at, and also dragon can't talk great um mm-hmm. but the two women who you see most frequently which are fiona and dragon they have the longest relationship and they're like well eh, no one cares well not true right. me care also why can't drag i mean basically every why other can't dragon animal talk? we got puss in boots he's talking we got the three little pigs they're always talking we got mm-hmm. the wolf the wolf is talking. We got a sentient gingerbread man who gets eaten because of the thing we were hinting at as far as like Puss in Boots. He's now a fat character. And the movie takes every opportunity to make very like fat shamey jokes. Which is very in step with what the franchise is always in. As well as the no homo like vampire oh, yeah. kissy kissy joke at the beginning. Like it's all just like blah. And you already suggested a far better utility of that character. Of puss and boots. Yeah. Of yeah. puss. Puss. <laughs> There's so many better uses of puss. Here's how you use Puss. I have a master's degree and I know how to use puss in this movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and well, since you mentioned that like queer phobic vampire thing, that's just like a fleeting moment in a quick scene where the king and queen are 
riding their carriage through what seems to be coded as like a a medieval trailer park. Mm -hmm. And all of the people there are made to seem like weird and scary. And it's just like this, a very obviously like classist, like, yeah. Oh, if you live in a trailer park, you're a freaking weirdo. Which is weird because like this movie is all over the map with that too, because the Shreks are presented as an underclass that are like, staging a revolution and are to be mm-hmm. rooted for this this uh, like this movie can't even decide how they feel about green like they <laughs> can't even decide what they feel about green because we also have true the witches as mm-hmm. the they work for Rumpelstiltskin again I don't know Rumpelstiltskin lore please come for me I guess like god I'm so tired but like I mean- I don't get. I mean, and we and we've talked extensively on uh, other episodes about a lot of the uh, stereotyping that exists around witches. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of heavy stereotyping around older women, and also a lot of anti-Semitic tropes mm-hmm. that come up in the animation style of witches, which I think is not challenged in this movie whatsoever. For sure. And even outside of that, you're just like, why do the witches work for Rumpelstiltskin? Like. It's really, I don't know. It's a mess. I don't know. It. They just, the Shrek writers and director, a.k.a. Oh, man. This movie was written by Josh Klausner and Darren Lemke and directed by Mike Mitchell. Uh, they just kind of do whatever the hell they want. It's so funny because I, when it was like directed by Mike Mitchell, I was like, wow, I love the, I love Doughboys so much. Doughboys. <laughs> wow, Mitch. Yeah. What a, what a, even, an even bigger multi-hyphenate that we imagine. Different Mike Mitchell. But yeah. in my mind, Mitch directed Trek Forever After. He also directed all of the other Mike Mitchell movies. Can I rattle them off? Please. My buddy Mitch also directed Sky High, mm-hmm. Deuce Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> Alvin and the Chipmunks Chipwrecked. Whoa. Trolls. Okay. He's killing it. Lego Movie 2. Oh. And Kung Fu Panda 4. Whoa. So, yeah. If you're a fan of the Doughboys, guess what? There's more where that came from. And it's <laughs> in Kung Fu Panda 4. Incredible. Um, hmm. Do you have anything else you want to talk about? Because I've pretty much come to the end of my notes. Um, let's see. Let's see. Uh, well, I guess I just wanted to get back to Rumpelstiltskin. I think just even from a writing perspective is a really, really weak character, like a stinky character that felt like a retread of Farquaad for I was like, could they not get the original voice actor of Farquaad back? Like, John Lithgow? Sorry, I, I put some respect <laughs> on his name. I just thought like a, a really weak villain for the third and the fourth. Also has nothing to do with the Rumpelstiltskin narrative, which is all about like, I will give you whatever you want if you're able to guess my name. And if not, I'm going to steal all your babies away from you. That's the lore of Rumpelstiltskin. And then none of that appears except for like him making shady deals. I guess the, the babies technically disappear i guess yeah it's a no i mean that's me giving it too much credit it's, that's a stretch yeah i just i i think it's weird that this movie ultimately comes down and fiona would be like clearly establishes fiona would be cooler if she hadn't met shrek true i mean that is true like objectively <laughs> and, and also taking it like 
again, just there's so many more interesting ways for this movie to go. Because if we know now in 2010, something that seemed obvious, right? But like that Fiona eventually would have escaped the tower on her own. I think that that should send Shrek into more of a crisis than it does. Like, yeah, I I, I think it's interesting. I, I had this written down as well, where it's like, if I... I as Shrek saw that Fiona would have I comma Shrek not unlike I comma Tanya or I comma Frankenstein two of my favorite movies (laughs) if I Shrek found out that Fiona would have escaped the tower on her own and become a revolutionary leader if she had never met me I would be like hold on maybe like I would have the kind of crisis where it's like wow maybe I really don't matter like there's a whole like world i mean yeah. and i know that that's complicated by the fact that for some reason without shrek the shreks are uh more marginalized than they would they seem to be like exploited for like it seems like they're being used as slaves well, not- to rumpelstiltskin well, too which yeah. is a disaster he seems to specifically target and capture sh- shreks and enslave them i don't understand but how- this is the first time we're even ever learning about other shreks in this world because aside from fiona there are no other ogres until the fourth movie and then suddenly there's a whole community of them which begs the question where have these other shreks been which is actually a really scary image (laughs) to see like you're just like oh i feel like i'm having a nightmare it's jarring yeah and I, i i just honestly i don't think that this franchise is equipped to deal with the topic of slavery i will bravely say that and I don't think that they should have tried. I guess like it's that plot point made me very uncomfortable. And also to suggest that without Shrek, there would be many more Shreks, but they would be enslaved. You're like, I'd hate this. I hate every second of this. Mm-hmm. Like this is a really, really brutal tangle to put into this story that they are not able to write themselves out of. It's a, it's a disaster. Mm-hmm. That's bad. But But then on the other hand, I did like how the Shreks as a community were characterized, where they were staging a revolution. They call Shrek, a, I think John Ham Shrek calls regular Shrek a, a comrade in arms. You're like, that's kind of fun. They're like mm-hmm. preparing to take down their oppressors. It's kind of like, woohoo, this is cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, alternate reality Fiona is very active. She is planning the revolution, mm-hmm. right? Craig, I think it's Craig Robinson, Shrek has a chimichanga stand. You're like, wow, (laughs) epic random bacon humor, 2010, whatever. But Mm. but like I, I, I liked how like I just think, again, it's interesting to establish like this canon of there's a whole Shrek community and they're essentially like revolutionaries that are mm. going to topple the overclass and that Fiona not to be confused with the ogre class the ogre class topples the overclass whoa and this alternate university or university sorry Santa, Santa University, university. Is today. <laughs> this alternate universe implies in a way that is also underexplored that Fiona has abandoned the idea of monarchy like she mm-hmm. in a way that she doesn't in the main franchise she maintains a relationship with royalty she maintains a re- like she is like a badass in this and not to i feel like that's overused but like uh-huh. the, she's really really cool in, in this alter because she like rejects 
the monarchy. Mm-hmm. She becomes an underground revolutionary and uses what she knows about the monarchy to get the ogres into the palace and to like talk like it's all really, really cool. Again, and then if you like think it through, which you're not supposed to, right? This mm-hmm. is like lobotomy brain filmmaking, but like that Shrek is also totally fine meeting and connecting with this whole community of ogres and just losing that. Why? Yeah, I don't know. Shrek, once he does learn that, like, you know, what Fiona could have done or what she's capable of if he wasn't involved in her life and you would think the thought would cross his mind like wow maybe i've been holding her back so when he does show up again in like shrek prime reality he needs to be like optimist shrek (laughs) i feel like he needs to be like hey babe like let me help you see your full potential here you're like you know like is there anything else you want to be doing with your life like right i don't it's just where at that point like but at this point it's like it's not even clear at the end of the movie if he's ever going to tell her that this happened Mm, probably not i would say maybe he's not which is so scary it's like the end of what was that movie we recently covered ruby sparks yes yes Where like at the end he's like i'm not gonna tell her that i was a freaking <laughs> creep um you're like this absolutely sucks this stinks it's pee-pee it's poo-poo truly the last thing i wanted to touch on was something that comes up a few different times throughout the movie is a discussion of Fiona being, quote, only half ogre. And then at one point, Shrek says something like, well, you're not a real ogre. You know, you spent half of your life in a palace. And Fiona, I mean, I don't want to necessarily, you know, judge her for how she responds to this, but it's something that I feel like you could equate with, like, a person in the real world having a dual identity in some way. For example, people who are mixed race or people who are the child of immigrants and have two or more cultures that are a part of their identity. Or just, you know, like anyone who's gotten criticized for, you know, not being XYZ enough, you know, when, for example, again, mixed race people are told, oh, you know, you're not black enough, or you're not Asian enough, or, you know, whatever the case may be basically being told like you're not 100% one thing or the other so you don't belong in either space Mm -hmm. I think that would be an interesting not that I think the Shrek movies are capable of exploring this any further but it does get brought up Well, any any more than the Harry Potter universe was equipped to explore that through Hermione's character where I feel like you have a very similar I mean not to bring up Harry Potter but like I think it's a similar plot point brought up in 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 the same era that also kind of like was always trying to start that but then never quite you know did doesn't know how to yeah actually like yeah have a character deal with this um Shrek says something like really cruel to her he says you're not a real ogre He's saying this to her as she is like an ogre. Running the ogre revolution. Like, what are you talking about, you fucking asshole? I just, it would have, again, it would have been cool if that could have been explored more 
thoughtfully and thoroughly and if we saw like how people saying that to her makes Fiona feel because like this is something that like Fiona would likely struggle with or deal with or you know like have feelings about but we barely see that and and also for her own husband to have such a callous way of speaking with her about it for sure which feels like a step back from what we hear in the first Shrek movie where Mm -hmm. he is like that's part of why she falls for him is because he is accepting of who she is and all parts of who she is but then like they have a couple of kids and he's like you're not a real ogre I mean I think that yeah these I that it does seem like being mixed race is the clear implication that's being made through Fiona's character but but Mm -hmm. you're right like it's I, I can see, you know, especially in a media property this broad, that it could be, you know, used for uh, viewers to connect who are coming from uh, a lot of different points of marginalization. Mm-hmm. And it just basically says like, no, Shrek says, you gotta pick a lane. And you're like, that doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah. And it also just like, doesn't even make sense with who we know this character to be, which is right. why they had to retire him for 15 years. So he could really think about what he said. <laughs> yeah. Another, another big missed opportunity. Yeah. The last thing I wanted to say is between Shrek the third mm-hmm. and Shrek forever after Another Shrek property came out in 2008, and it was on Broadway, and it was called Shrek the Musical. Right. And I am very intimately familiar with this musical. I didn't get to see it on Broadway, unfortunately, Mm -hmm. but I have seen several local productions of it. I've seen it seven times. Oh, my gosh. And I've also watched it uh, on, there's a lot, there's a professional Broadway recording of it that exists on I don't know where it's currently streaming Mm. generally with the other Shreks it is really difficult to watch Broadway great Brian Darcy James who like is a decorated Broadway veteran play Shrek beside Sutton Foster another like Broadway legend playing Fiona and you're Mm -hmm. just like what am I watching and how much money must they have been paid I hope Right. As well as uh, another uh, Daniel Breaker plays Donkey. Extra like mm. John Tartaglia won a Tony for playing Pinocchio. You're just like, this is a nightmare. This is a disaster. Right. Whoa. But I do love it. I think it is. It's an adaptation of Shrek 1 that I think honestly works better than Shrek 1. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it has more emotional punch. It gives Shrek, I think, so I, I just, I was thinking about that because this, I think, opened and closed on Broadway <laughs> between the third and the fourth movie. But it mm-hmm. does add to Shrek lore. I don't know, you know, if we're talking to the Shrek team and we say, is Shrek the musical on Broadway canonical to the Shrek universe? I think they would say, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but in a world where they did care, we would have a little bit of context for for Shrek. Yeah. That includes, uh, I think, mainly the thrust <gasps> of 
it explains why he got mean. It it implies that he was thrown out by his parents. Right, I remember when this. He was, when he was very young, because that's ogre tradition, is like to harden yourself to the world in the ogre-like fashion. You get tossed out by your parents when you're very young. And so that's how you become like a hardened ogre. Oh, wow. Right. And again, it's just like, wow, we have this incredible lore going into Shrek the Fourth. And it's like the Broadway musical that won Tony's somehow, by the way. Whoa. It won one. Uh, it won best costume design. Sorry, John oh. Tartaglia didn't win a Tony for that. Okay. But, you know, it won a couple drama desks as well. It was nominated for a Grammy. I'm just saying it got more than it should have. I mean, certainly. <laughs> it just makes me really yeah. sad to think of like an actor as good as Brian Darcy James having to get into Shrek makeup every day for eight shows a week. That just seems like a horrible way to have to live (laughs) i think about that sometimes anyways uh i just wanted to mention that there was a i think probably my favorite shrek thing is shrek the musical because also the music is like good it's like i i i think so i mean i have a nostalgic attachment to it because i've seen it seven times and like many things shrek you know started as a joke became real over time but like the music is good i would recommend if you're uh if you're popping on the soundtrack build a wall it's like a Bon Jovi song. It's wild Whoa. that Shrek is singing and also it's pre-Trump. Like it, you know, harder to listen to the song Build a Wall. But but he meant he means an emotional wall to oh. keep out pain and hurt. I see. What's oh, another good one? Um, Don't Let Me Go is Donkey's song when he's trying to be Shrek's friend. Aww. Iconic song. I Know It's Today, a great song for Fiona. Oh, God. It's just all... I'll admit it's all good. Hmm. Yeah. So I would say my review of Shrek 4 is watch Shrek the musical. Okay. And my review of Shrek 4 is watch Puss in Boots, The Last Wish. Hell yeah. Incredible. (laughs) Okay. So we know that this movie passes the Shrektal test. Yes. But does it pass the Bechtel test? Well, no. Let's start the year 2024 out on a hard and clear no. The witches talk to each other, but it's only about Shrek. And I don't know if we're really given... They're credited with names, but I don't remember learning them canonically. Yeah, they don't address each other by name. No. And yeah, they're talking about Shrek. And Fiona doesn't talk to any other women, does she? She does. She talks to, I think, Jane Lynch Shrek. Gretchen. Oh. Uh, she um, talks to Gretchen. Good but name. Gre- pretty awesome. <laughs> but Gretchen, I don't believe, responds. She, she's oh. she's making a military plan and they are like the dual Smurfettes of the town. Also, there is one joke at Gretchen's expense where it's implied in this Smurf-like ogre kingdom that everyone has the hots for Fiona, but oh, she doesn't. Yeah. Oh, that is one thing that we didn't get to, that even in the world where Fiona is a revolutionary leader, they she still can't have it all. Like she has to choose being a war, which is which is fundamentally what this movie comes down to. You have mm. to choose having a relationship and a family or being a revolutionary leader <laughs> and never the twain shall meet. Yeah. But they're in, in a conversation like that, I forget where they were like, oh, you know, Fiona, nothing will convince Fiona to be in a relationship because 
blah, 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 blah. And Gretchen's like, it would convince me. And everyone's like, Ugh, mm-hmm. we're not attracted to you. And you're like, okay. Anyways, it doesn't pass the Bechdel test. <laughs> but what about, uh, let's get it. Let's come in hot first nipple scale of the year Caitlin get pumped all right zero to five nipples (laughs) um okay so on our scale of zero to five nipples where we rate the movie examining it through an intersectional and intersectional yes 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 lens Uh uh-huh I would say I'm gonna give this a half nipple yeah as much as I enjoy seeing the very, you know, fleeting moments of Fiona as a revolutionary leader, as a warrior, it's surrounded by a bunch of other gender tropey implications and just all the fat phobia around the Puss in Boots character. And at the end of the day, this is a story about like a man learning an emotional lesson. He's learning to be more emotionally intelligent and grateful, but also what does he learn? He doesn't learn to communicate any more effectively and open up emotionally mm-hmm. to his partner. He learns that he needs to be grateful, but if you have to like have your entire life stripped away from you, to learn that lesson mm-hmm. i don't know try harder go to therapy like you need to learn gratitude well it's like and also just as as a shrek fan demonstrates i think a real st- i just realized the sentence i was about to say uh demonstrates a real stagnancy in the character development of shrek yeah you're just like we've had four movies shrek should be past this stuff now Seriously. he's been working through this shit for the whole franchise my goodness yeah he's very static he never seems to learn or change and he gets himself into the same hijinks for the same reasons over and over again for christ's sake so it's annoying and i will give i'll give my half nipple i mean i'm inclined to give it to fiona yeah to alternate universe fiona alternate universe fiona I think I'm going to give this movie no nipples. I was so disappointed. I've been disappointed in this movie for almost 14 years now. Mm. And I don't think I have any nipples to give this time. I feel like, yeah, this is like a, I I think, and also because I, I, I did like It's a Wonderful Life far better than I like Shrek Forever After. But I feel like it's not an identical, but a similar plot and takeaway that like is like worse or at least equally considerate of its woman character almost 70 years later it's such a bummer <laughs> right so i I, ha- I simply have no nipples to give at this time i can't give it any like well it was of the time like it wasn't and at least- i would love to see shrek 5 written by not two white guys what if that happened we should write shrek 5 <laughs> i can't i can't handle the pressure it's too much <laughs> At least in Shrek Forever After, when we see alternate reality Fiona, she isn't a quote-unquote old spinster librarian That's true. who is a loser because Shrek never married her. She's a winner That's true. who's awesome. That's the one improvement <laughs> that we've made in 70 years. It's not enough. <laughs> 
Yeah, no, no nipples from Jamie. And with that, 2024 is off to the shraces. We're... Uh, Shrek the hall. We've Shreked the halls. <gasps> and now and now we're off to the traces. I also just think, okay, last, I just think it's really funny and no offense to the Felicias of the world, but I think it was like such an underwhelming line to be like, I've always wanted a daughter named Felicia. And you're like, okay. Wow. Why? All of our Felicia listeners just unsubscribe i just it's such a like no i mean i would it would be weird if they said either of our names you're like that's a pretty normal like that's really i've always wanted a a baby shrek named caitlin i don't know anyways (laughs) happy 2024 we're rigging it in as always uh and again uh just another reminder uh if you want to check out our tour tickets that's on our link tree which is uh linked in the description of this that's San Francisco, Sacramento, Dallas, Austin, and San Diego coming up at the beginning of next month. And you can follow us in all the normal places on Instagram. And uh, we still post on uh, the platform formerly known as Twitter. So that's where you can find us. Yes. And you can also subscribe to our Patreon, aka Matreon, where we release two bonus episodes every month. Plus, you'll get access to the back catalog of 150-ish bonus episodes, mm-hmm. all for $5 a month at patreon.com slash Bechtelcast. This month is Dance December, and we're covering Flashdance and Save the Last Dance. So We're celebrating a, a little late this year, so <laughs> you'll, you'll forgive us. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I mean, we never, I mean, Portman July has been celebrated in every other month, basically. You're damn right. And you can also get our birch at tpublic.com slash Bechtelcast. And again, if you're going to those tour shows, we will have tour exclusive merch mm-hmm. at the meet and greet. So that'll be a blast. And uh, we ha- also have an exciting January plan for you. So stay tuned, gang. We love ya. Shrek you later. Shrek you later. Bye. Bye. The Bechtel Cast is a production of iHeartMedia, hosted by Caitlin Durante and Jamie Loftus, produced by Sophie Lichterman, edited by Mo Laborde. Our theme song was composed by Mike Kaplan, with vocals by Catherine Voskresensky. Our logo and merch is designed by Jamie Loftus. And a special thanks to Aristotle Acevedo. For more information about the podcast, please visit linktree slash Bechtelcast. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello! 
acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. And like always, we'll be here every week. You'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics. Nothing is off the table. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you're a fly on the wall at a dinner between the mafia, the CIA, and the KGB. That's where my new podcast begins. This is Neil Strauss, host of To Live and Die in L.A., and I wanted to quickly tell you about an intense new series about a dangerous spy taught to seduce men for their secrets and sometimes their lives. From Tenderfoot TV, this is To Die For. To Die For is available now. Listen for free on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts.